Next juz. وَمَا أُبَرِّئُ نَفْسِي And I do not acquit myself. أُبَرِّئُ From بَرَى هَمْزَةً بَرَاءَ What does بَرَاءَ mean? To be free of responsibility. Meaning to be innocent. To have nothing to do with something. So Yusuf a.s. he says, وَمَا أُبَرِّئُ نَفْسِي I don't claim perfection for myself, absolute innocence for myself. Meaning, I am a human being, I don't claim to be perfect. Certainly, I did not commit this crime that the people accused me of. But, at the same time, I'm a human being. And I may have made mistakes here and there, because after all, human beings are prone to making mistakes. And this is also very important too. Understand about yourself and let other people know this about you. That even if you're very good and you're very punctual, whatever, you're still a human being. You're still imperfect. What happens is that if somebody praises us or acknowledges something good in us, immediately we think, I am so good, I am so good. And we start flying, basically. It is important to remember to keep our feet on the ground and it is important to be humble. The Prophet ﷺ, he was known as truthful, he was known as honest, he was known as someone who was very intelligent, someone who was very strong. Jibreel came to him, he received revelation. But at the same time, he was a human being. And because he was a human being, did he forget certain things at certain times? Yeah, like for example, once he was praying salah, and it was supposed to be four rakah, but he led people in only two rakah. After two rakah, he said the salam. Now all the companions, they're wondering, what's going on? And they were too afraid to even say anything to the Prophet ﷺ. So one man, he came and said, Ya Rasulullah ﷺ, has a prayer been shortened? Or did you forget? The Prophet ﷺ said, the prayer has not been shortened and I did not forget either. He was so sure that he didn't forget. That's what happens, right? Because when you make a mistake, you honestly make a mistake because you're a human being. So then the Prophet ﷺ, he asked other people, is this man truthful? And they said, yes, you did pray only two rakah. So then the Prophet ﷺ said, okay. And then he led the people in two more rakah and sajda sahu at the end. Why? Why did he make this mistake? Why did he forget? Because he was a human being. And this is something that we need to remember also. Because as soon as we see something good in a person, we put them on such a high pedestal, that we think they can never ever err, they can never ever make a mistake. And if they do make a mistake, we say, failure. What a big disappointment. I don't have any respect for this individual anymore. They said this, they made that mistake. How could they forget this surah? How could they forget this ayah? You know why? Because they're human. We find that a lot of the times um, people do this to shiyukh that even if they make one small mistake and like people a lot of times people don't notice the difference of opinions so if the shiyukh says something that is a different opinion than what they have heard they automatically say oh this person's wrong this person doesn't follow Islam he's leading something crazy like they get so much um, hate mail on yes. Facebook on Twitter everywhere people are constantly attacking them yes. for the smallest thing they said yes so it's important to remember this that every human being, no matter how much knowledge he possesses, no matter how good he is in his character, in his manner, after all, he is a human being and he will make mistakes. And it's important that we also 
make the people around us understand this. The problem is within us. We want to feel that we're perfect and we want to show that we're perfect. Which is why if a small mistake even is pointed out, we don't want to accept it. We bring an excuse, a reason, a justification. Right? We want to be like an untouchable in the sense that nobody can criticize us in any way. Yusuf salam says, وَمَا أُبَرِّئُ نَفْسِي I don't acquit myself. No, I'm a human being. Yes, this woman was at fault. All these women were guilty. I was unjustly detained in the prison. But it's okay. I also make mistakes. And so humble of Yusuf salam. You know when your correctness is proven in front of the other? Hmm? When you win an argument, then what happens? Immediately you're like, you know, I'm the best. I was right. I'm always right. And they're wrong. But Yusuf says, I'm not perfect. Okay, you lost now. I've lost before also. I won here. What's the big deal? I've lost before and I will lose again in the future because I'm not perfect. Perfection is only for who? Only for who? Allah Azza wa Jal. So, وَمَا أُبَرِّئُ نَفْسِي He says, إِنَّ النَّفْسَ Indeed, the nafs, the soul, لَأَمَّارَةٌ بِسُوءٍ It is surely أَمَّارَةٌ بِسُوءٍ أَمَّارَةٌ is from the root letters, Hamza Mim Ra. From the word Amr. What does Amr mean? Amr. Ya'muru. To command. Right? So, أَمَّارَةٌ One that commands. How much? How frequently? How frequently? Very frequently. Again and again. So, in the nafsa la amaratun. Indeed, the nafs it is a persistent enjoiner, meaning it keeps telling, it keeps commanding you to do what? Besu with evil. Your nafs doesn't stop telling you to do evil. It always tells you to do evil. It always tells you to do bad again and again. Which is why when the month of Ramadan comes, we are happy that Alhamdulillah shayateen are locked up. Or if not all of them, at least the major, major shayateen are locked up, according to the understanding of many scholars. But then what's the main you know, thing that we have to fight against? Our nafs. What does the nafs say? Amara bisu. Alright? Like for example, make up an excuse like, I think I'm sick today. Yeah, my head is hurting. And you know what? If I fast, I'm really, really gonna faint or something. So don't fast. Okay. Then what happens at Taraweeh time? Amara bisu. It's so late. You're tired. You have school tomorrow. Two hours, three, four hours of class tomorrow. And then such a long day of fasting. It's okay. Take it easy. Just pray two nafal at home. Pray eight nafal at home. And then what happens after Isha? You're doing your tasbih. Amara bisu tells you, just put your head down on the floor okay. And then what happens? You take a good nap for like an hour or something and then when somebody comes wakes you up, you can only just crawl to your bed. Amara bisu, right? So if we keep listening to our nafs, if you follow your heart, you follow your heart's desire, then what's going to happen? Are you going to do su or are you going to do haq? Are you going to do su or something good? Su. Because you see, the nafs, who created it? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala فَأَلْهَمَهَا فُجُورَهَا وَتَقْوَاهَا And Allah has placed in this nafs its fujur and its taqwa. Right? Meaning, there's 
the potential to sin and there is also the potential to do good. But generally, average people, their nafs, what does it tempt them to do? Evil. So, إِنَّ النَّفْسَ لَأَمَّارَةٌ بِسُوءٍ إِلَّا مَا رَحِمَ Except, who's saved from this? أَمَّارَ The one whom مَا رَحِمَ Rabbi, Whom my Lord is merciful towards. Only He can resist the temptations of His soul, of His heart. Only He can control his emotions. إِنَّ رَبِّ غَفُورُ rahim. Indeed, my Lord is forgiving and merciful. How beautiful. He's giving so much hope. That okay, this woman has made a major mistake. Yes, because our nafs, it prompts us to do evil. And we even commit wrong. We even commit evil. But then eventually, if we seek forgiveness, then inshallah, there's greatness in that. That is Allah's rahmah on us. And Allah is forgiving and merciful, willing to forgive and show mercy to the servant who is repentant. This also shows how like in our society nowadays, there's so much stigma behind a woman having desires, but Yusuf Islam just brushes it off kind of. Like it's okay, I make mistakes, you make mistakes, and like you can repent or something. Yeah. doesn't make that sin okay. That is still a sin. A crime is a crime. Haram is haram. An act of disobedience will always be an act of disobedience. That cannot be made right. But with that, always show the door to repentance. Always show it. Give hope to people. Yes, something bad has happened. Okay, nobody's perfect. Everybody makes mistakes. And after all, we have this nafs that's always tempting us to do evil. And if evil has happened, then turn to Allah. Inna Rabbi Rahim. My Lord is forgiving and merciful. Also, it has been said about these ayat the previous ayah and this one, that this was not the statement of Yusuf rather it was a statement of that woman. That she said, that I am confessing now openly that I did try to seduce Yusuf, but he didn't listen to me. Why? So that my husband knows that I did not betray him. I didn't actually commit the sin. I did try, but I didn't end up committing it. And she says that I don't claim that I am perfect. I did try to seduce Yusuf, وَمَا أُبَرِّئُ نَفْسِي And the reason for that, إِنَّ النَّفْسَ لَأَمَّارَةٌ بِسُوءٍ The soul does prompt you to do evil. And my Lord is forgiving and merciful, and I hope that Allah will forgive me. I hope that my God will forgive me. وَقَالَ الْمَلِكِ Now this case, you know, it was investigated, everything done. Yusuf a.s. is proven to be innocent. The king is so persistent. He says, وَقَالَ الْمَلِكُ اُعْتُونِي بِهِ Bring him. I want to meet this guy. Who is he? I want to see him. I want to meet him. I want to talk to him. And أَسْتَخْلِصْهُ لِنَفْسِي I want to hire him already. I need him. I need him in my government. أَسْتَخْلِصْهُ لِنَفْسِي أَسْتَخْلِصْهُ is from the root letters خَالَامْ Istikhlas is to select and appoint something exclusively for a purpose. For one purpose. For one task. Like for example, you may be working somewhere and you may have 10 different jobs to do. Okay? 10 different things to do. But then one day you're told, you're doing nothing else but this. You're doing nothing else but this. Your sole purpose, your only purpose of coming here is to do this one task. That is your responsibility. So, أَسْتَخْلِصْهُ لِنَفْسِي I will appoint him for myself. Meaning the king wanted to appoint Yusuf as his personal advisor. As his personal advisor. 
next to the king, sitting next to him, advising him, telling him what to do, what not to do. I mean, this is a very big position. Can you imagine from the prison to next to king? Isn't that amazing? From the prison, where? Astaghlusu li nafsi, next to the king, personal advisor to the king. Who can get this? Only the one for whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opened doors. And who will Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give such kind of success to? The one who is patient. The one who suffers through the hardships of life and focuses on the positive. Every experience is a learning experience. So the king said, أَسْتَخْلِصْهُ لِنَفْسِي فَلَمَّا كَلَّمَهُ Then when he spoke to Yusuf alayhi salam, قَالَ The king said, إِنَّكَ الْيَوْمَ لَدَيْنَا مَكِينٌ أَمِينٌ Indeed, today, from this day onwards, لَدَيْنَا You are with us. مَكِينٌ One who is firmly established. أَمِينٌ And one who is going to be trusted. From this day onwards, you are مَكِينٌ أَمِينٌ Who is مَكِينٌ? From the root letters, ميم كَاف نُونَ Makana is to be firmly established. We read this earlier also. Makanna, right? So you are established in position. You have a very secure position. A very secure position. No one can harm you. No one can accuse you. You don't face any threat anymore. You're secure. Has it ever happened that you are working somewhere or you're doing something and you don't have that job security? You have this fear that you're going to be fired any day, any moment. Or you may have heard of such people that who are working in such a place where, let's say a company that's going bankrupt. And every day or every month, five people are fired. So how does this person feel? Any day, I'm going to be fired. Is that being makin? No, that's not being makin. Makin is what? When you feel so secure, you're established, you have nothing to fear. And Amin, you're going to be trusted. Whatever you say, we're going to believe you. Whatever you tell us, we're going to do it. Any suggestion, any instruction you give, it's going to be carried out. You have authority, you have security. Now what do we see here? Up until this point, the king had only heard of Yusuf a.s. Now when he met him, he was even more impressed by him. He was so confident in Yusuf a.s. That he said, you're makin amin. I mean, think about it. How can you say to a person whom you've never met before, you're meeting them for the first time, you tell them, you're secure here. Anything you say, it's gonna go. It's gonna be accepted. How is it possible? Yusuf a.s. really won the king. He won the king's heart. How? How? Through some fake talk? Through some magic? Through some false promises and lies? No. Through truth. Yusuf ayyuh siddiq man of truth. Through honesty. Through his good akhlaq. Because he was a muhsin. So the king recognized the virtues of Yusuf alayhi His great ability, his good conduct, his perfect mannerisms. And if the king is recognizing the virtues of Yusuf alayhi then they definitely were true. Qala, Yusuf alayhi said, Ij'alni, place me, appoint me, on the storehouses of the land. Khazain is a plural of Khizana. Khazainun. And Khizana is a treasury, a place where things are stored. Okay? A place where things are stored. So, for example, 
a place where food is stored, grain is stored. Okay? So Yusuf said, appoint me over the storehouses of the land. The king wanted to keep Yusuf close to himself in the court. And Yusuf he preferred to be a worker. He preferred to be doing the real work out there. What do we like? What do we like? Does someone give us a comfortable chair? We can sit behind a desk and just spin around you know, on it all day and just shoot orders to people and have the power to say to somebody, you're fired, you're hired. We want authority, right? This is what we enjoy. But Yusuf a.s., he didn't want just fake authority. He wanted to do the real work. He wanted to help out people because 14 difficult years were coming up in which either the country was going to make it or it was going to be ruined. So he says, اِجْعَلْنِي عَلَىٰ خَزَائِنِ الْأَرْضِ Appoint me over the treasuries of the land. إِنِّي حَفِيلٌ عَلِيمٌ Indeed, I am حَفِيل. I am a guardian and I am عَلِيم. I am knowing. What does حَفِيل mean? Very beautiful word. From حِف. And what does حِف mean? To guard and to protect. To preserve. You know like people do تَحْفِيلُ Quran. حِف hmm? of the Qur'an, what does that mean? That you preserve the Qur'an in your heart, in your memory. And by that, you are guarding the Qur'an from being forgotten, from being mispronounced, from being changed, from being altered. So you're not just preserving it in your heart, you're also guarding it, you're protecting it. So hif is to guard something from external dangers and to also protect something from going waste. From going waste. Like for example, if there is a house and somebody is looking after it, then what's going to happen? It's protected, it's looked after. But if nobody's looking after it, in the winter, nobody shut off the water, and then what happened? All the pipes burst, and the house was flooded, and it turned into ice. And then over the spring, all that melted, and then went through the wood. I mean, the house is ruined. Why? Because no one to protect it from external dangers and from going waste. So Yusuf salam said, I am Hif, I am Hafil, I can guard. And I am Alim, I know. Meaning, I know what to do. I am competent, I am aware of how to deal with the coming years. Now, does this look like Yusuf is really putting himself forward and to some people it might seem like this is against humility. Because if you're humble, then you should be quiet and you shouldn't tell other people about what you're capable of doing, what your strengths are, how you can contribute. We think this is against humility. Is it against humility? It depends. Depends on what? Your niyyah. Because innamal a'malu bin If you're telling people about your past experiences, about your past accomplishments, about your abilities, with the intention of, you know, really portraying yourself as a big shot and having some dominance over them, then this is definitely not appropriate. But if you're telling somebody about your capabilities, so that your capabilities can be best used, you can help others, you can benefit them. Then this is not just encouraged, in fact it is wajib on you. It is mandatory on you to do that. Because you're not allowed to let yourself go waste. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you some talents, and you don't tell people about those talents, and as a result people cannot benefit from them, then you're not just depriving yourself, you're also depriving others. Now think about it. If you have the ability to type really well, really fast, 
and you go somewhere to volunteer and you say give me anything I'll be happy with anything and they say okay uh, could you please uh, fold all of these hijabs or all of these materials and put them in and you say okay so your job as a volunteer is to fold fold and put things away fold and put things away okay alhamdulillah you're volunteering but at the same time there's another person who's been put to type they type maybe 15 words in a minute and a half and you can type 15 words in half a minute come on what's better you do that job or they do it you do it why because you can bring more benefit also remember that if you don't use your talents and you start doing something else you're not going to be satisfied you're going to get bored you're going to say i didn't go to school to fold hijabs for a whole year no i paid all this money so that i could develop some skills so that i can put them to the right use i'm not satisfied here and then you're going to be looking for other options so you should tell other people what you're capable of doing what your strengths are how you can contribute so that inshallah you can bring the best benefit to yourself and to others around you now if you think about it yusuf alayhi salam he said i am hafiz i am alim i don't want to be sitting in the court on a comfortable chair i'd rather be managing the food supplies their proper storage adequate storage etc etc why because if he didn't do that somebody else did it and they didn't do a proper job this would mean hundreds of people would go hungry many people would starve to death so it was almost mandatory in yusuf alayhi salam to put forth his abilities offer his services so that he could bring benefit to people but what happens is that in our humility we keep waiting if you see that someone is lying unconscious you know how to do cpr and there are other people aunties around and they have no idea and you have the training and you say oh in front of aunties i don't do anything no if you don't get up that person could die don't wait to be called go do it go offer your services benefit contribute wa kadhalika makkanna li yusuf fi al-ard and thus did we establish yusuf alayhi salam in the land which land the same land in which he was brought as a slave where he was sold for a few dirham where he was not given the importance and the value that he deserved allah established him Allah established him. You see, when people they don't treat us the way we deserve to be treated, we are disappointed with people and we say, "Oh, they didn't value me. They didn't give importance to me." Why? Why do we look up to people because we're expecting from them. We think that they are the givers of honor. But the fact is that Allah is a giver of honor. Allah will establish you if you become his. If you become a true servant of his and you show that servitude through the difficulties of life by accepting his decree radiitu billahi rabba radiitu billahi rabba then Allah will establish you wa kadhalika makkanna li yusuf fi al-ard yatabawwa'u minha yatabawwa'u from bawa hamza to go about to settle to make home so he could settle منها in there meaning in that land حيث يشاء wherever he willed before he was restricted in the house of Aziz as a slave 
Then he was restricted where? In the prison. And now so much freedom that he could go anywhere, wherever he pleased. نُصِيبُ بِرَحْمَتِنَا مَنْ We reach with our mercy whomsoever we will. We touch with our mercy whom we will. Allah shows mercy to whomsoever He wills. We have to prove ourselves worthy of it. وَلَا نُضِيعُ أَجْرَ الْمُحْسِنِينَ And we do not allow to be lost the reward of those who do ihsan. The reward of those who do good. It's not wasted. And if you think about it, Yusuf ﷺ, he was a muhsin from day one. From day one. He did ihsan to his master. Yes, he was put behind bars. But eventually, he was proven innocent. He did ihsan to the person to whom he gave the interpretation of the dream to. He forgot his ihsan. What happened? That same man came back to him. Allah will not waste the reward of those who do ihsan. وَلَا أَجْرُ الْآخِرَةِ خَيْرٍ And surely the reward of the hereafter is far better. Wow. If this is the reward of dunya, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving so much authority and freedom and power and respect to Yusuf salam for what? For his ihsan. If this is the reward in dunya, then what is the reward in the akhirah? What is the reward in Jannah? What is the reward in the Day of Judgment? وَلَا أَجْرُ الْآخِرَةِ خَيْرٍ For who? لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَكَانُوا يَتَّقُونَ For those who believe and those who have taqwa. It's much better. You see, in this dunya what happened? Yusuf salam he resisted the temptation. Women were coming after him. He stopped. He didn't comply over there. What was the reward that he got later on? Position in the land. But on the day of judgment, what's the reward for such a person? What's the reward for such a person? He will be given shade under the shade of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Under the shade of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because, هَلْ جَزَاءُ الْإِحْسَانِ إِلَّا الْإِحْسَانِ Is there any reward for ihsan except ihsan? If you've done ihsan, what do you get? Ihsan! If you show good, what do you get? You get good. And this is why when a person is fasting, a sawm, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say about it? A sawmu li. It's for me. Fasting is for who? Allah. Wa ana ajzibih. And I will reward the servant for it. And what's that reward? We haven't been told about it. What is that reward? When will a person find out? When he will meet? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In this dunya, do you get reward for your fast? Yes. When you break your fast, finally you get to eat, you enjoy. It's a reward. You get you know, all those fasts done. But the second reward is where? In the hereafter. And that is far better. If you look at the timeline of Yusuf alayhi life, you find that he left around the age of 14 or I think 16 or 17. And he didn't, and then he was at the house of the Adid until he was at least 30, between 35 and 40. So that in itself was almost 20 years away from his family. And then he spent a maximum of nine years in the prison. So again, you add to that 29, almost 30 years, you know, he was just having difficulty. He was struggling. He was going through a lot of problems. And only after that was he finally given the position near the king of Egypt. And... It's difficult to imagine because we can't ever imagine being patient for 30 years. 
if you think about it, 30 years is an extremely long time. We wait for a few months and we get tired. We're like, okay, our marks aren't getting better. This isn't getting better. That isn't getting better. And most of us here haven't even lived to be two decades old yet. So, I mean, Yusuf Islam went through difficulty for almost 30 years before he was finally given uh, a reward by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes. And you see, anything that brings you success in this world, any position of success, okay, if you want to get there, you have to go through years and years of hardship. Years and years of hardship. One of my uncle is a doctor. He's a medical doctor. And there's very little age difference between me and him, less than 10 years. So when we were growing up and we would often go visit my grandparents' house, every time we'd want to spend time with our uncle, right? But he would say, no, I'm busy. I have exams coming up. I have exams coming up. And then what happened? He moved out because he was in university. And then every time he'd come visit, again, he'd be studying at night, in the morning, during the day. Very, very good student. Very hard worker, mashallah. And then after that, he moved again. And again, he was studying and studying. And we're like, when is he already going to become a doctor? When is this going to be all over? When is it going to be over? But even now, if I ask him, what's going on? Oh, I just took a, another refresher course, or I took this thing, and I took that thing. It never ends. From my childhood, I remember he was studying to become a doctor. He always wanted to become a doctor. It took him his entire life. But even now, it's not over. So anything... Anything valuable that you want, it demands effort from you. It demands effort from you. You have to go through that training. Yusuf went through 30 some years of hardship. That hardship was like never ending. But eventually he got the fruit. Eventually he got the fruit of his effort. Right? It paid off. And it was that fruit was very sweet. Because... When a person is patient and a person keeps striving, then at the end he does get reward. And if in dunya that reward is so great, how much greater is the reward in the akhirah? How much greater? And you know that reward, it begins from the time of death. Because akhirah begins from when? From the moment of death. How? That when the angels of death, they come to take the soul of a person, what do they do? they bring with them fragrance and a shroud from Jannah and they say good comforting words to the person oh good soul that lived in a good body come out to the pleasure of your Lord come out and so the soul leaves the body and then the angels they take it they take it up to the skies and then what happens the angels over there they ask who is this soul who is this soul and they call that person by the best names that he would be called by in, in this worldly life and they say, Ruhun tayyiba, good soul that has come from the earth. Welcome. Enter Hamidatan tayyiba. You know, Hamida, you're welcome. Enter praiseworthy. And they keep encouraging that person until that soul is taken up in the journey to the heavens. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the soul must return to the body. The soul is returned to the body. And the person is questioned. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala helps that person in that questioning of the grave. In a hadith we learned that once... And the Prophet ﷺ said that when a person is laid in his grave, the angels come to him to question him. And those angels, they're carrying a mace, like a weapon in their hand. And they ask the person the three questions that we know about. And the person, if he was a believer, he confidently answers the questions. So one of the companions, he said, Ya Rasulullah, how can a person be at peace or respond confidently 
when he sees an angel with that weapon, I mean, anyone would become fearful and forget. The Prophet ﷺ said, يُثَبِّتُ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا بِالْقَوْلِ الثَّابِتِ Allah gives stability to those people who believe. Because their reward has already begun. They pass the test. A door to Jannah is open. A window to Jannah is open. A person is shown his home in Jannah day and night, morning and evening, so that he can increase in his gratitude. On the day of judgment, what will happen? In the hashr, in the gathering of hashr, those who do ihsan will be placed on podiums of light. In the hadith we learn, they're not prophets or martyrs. No, they're ordinary people. Those who are just in their affairs. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will honor them. They will be close to Allah. Allah will forgive them. They will be called from the gates of Jannah. All the gates of Jannah open for them. And in Jannah, they will be welcomed with salam. وَلَأَجْرُ الْآخِرَةِ خَيْرٌ The reward of the hereafter is much better. So anytime you're doing something good, you're struggling, you're being patient, and you see no reward, no immediate benefit, always tell yourself, reward of the akhirah is better. We will rest later. We will enjoy later. We listen to the recitation of these verses and do reflect on them as you listen. وَمَا أُبَرِّئُ نَفْسِي إِنَّ النَّفْسَ لَأَمَّارَةٌ بِالسُّوءِ إِلَّا مَا رَحِمَ رَبِّي إِنَّ رَبِّي غَفُورٌ رَّحِيمٌ وَقَالَ الْمَلِكُ أَتُونِي بِهِ أَسْتَخْلِصُ لِنَفْسِي فَلَمَّا كَلَّمَهُ قَالَ إِنَّكَ الْيَوْمَ لَدَيْنَا مَكِينٌ أَمِينٌ قَالَ جَعَلْنِي عَلَى خَزَائِنِ الْأَرْضِ إِنِّي حَفِيظٌ عَلِيمٌ وَكَذَلِكَ مَكَّنَّا لِيُوسُفَ فِي الْأَرْضِ يَتَبَوَّأُ مِنْهَا حَيْثُ يَشَاءُ نُصِيبُ بِرَحْمَتِنَا مَنْ نَشَاءُ وَلَا نُضِيعُ أَجْرَ الْمُحْسِنِينَ وَلَأَجْرُ الْآخِرَةِ خَيْرٌ لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَكَانُوا يَتَّقُونَ This ayah, وَلَأَجْرُ الْآخِرَةِ خَيْرٌ لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَكَانُوا يَتَّقُونَ Write this down and put it somewhere for yourself where you can see it regularly, especially through the month of Ramadan. Because sometimes it seems like you must be out of your mind that you're fasting for 30 days. I mean, if you tell somebody, a non-Muslim, that this is what you're doing, they look at you strange. What's, are you in your, in your senses? You sure in this heat? Like not even a, a sip of water? No midday snack even? Nothing at all? And for 30 days in a row? Yes, for 30 days in a row. Why? Because, وَلَأَجْرُ الْآخِرَةِ خَيْرٌ the reward of the hereafter is far, far better. And whenever you feel this kind of hesitation or laziness, that you don't want to stand in prayer, you don't 
you're tired and you desperately want some sleep or you desperately want some rest, just tell yourself, this will pass. This will pass. But inshallah the reward is going to be amazing. Because it's only this short life that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us, right? Short life. Like the people, they had those seven years in which they could produce as much as they wanted and they could save as much as they wanted. Didn't that pay off after? So what we do in this life, we need it for eternity. We need it for eternity. This is why every moment, every day, every night of this month is precious, is valuable. Because deeds are going to be multiplied. I mean the reward is going to be multiplied for them. So take advantage. Whenever that laziness is coming over you, push yourself. I was thinking when you were talking about like deeds and in the akhirah, it's like when you're doing in the dunya your deeds, you're sowing your plants and you keep sowing and sowing for like the seven years. And then in the akhirah when you finally get, you have those, that time where you can't do anything because you're standing in the hashur and then you finally get what you stored and what you brought in the akhirah. So if you did good and if you didn't waste all of that food that you had, then you can actually enjoy from it. And if you did waste it, then you won't be able to enjoy from it in the Akhirah. Because in the grave, what can you do? Can you open the Qur'an and read it? We learned that the angels will come and make him sit in order to question him. And that person will see the sun almost about to set. And he will say, As-salah, as-salah. I have to pray. But the angel will say, that you used to do before, now is not the time for you to pray. Now you answer our questions. So this is the time to really do whatever we want and store for our akhirah whatever we want. Because then we won't be able to do anything. Anything at all. Now whenever there's a huge sale going on, we look for the best bargains, the best deals, where we have to pay less for more. So even if we think about it now, these few years are going to be nothing in comparison to the akhirah. If we're if we're willing to pay as like this, these few years for the sake of Allah, for the sake of winning our akhirah, in the end it's going to be the best payoff ever because it's a reward that's never ending. Yes. It's never ending. I mean, in this dunya what happens, you can store for future, but eventually your savings, they will also run out. But what the good deeds that a person does in this dunya, وَالْبَاقِيَاتُ الصَّالِحَاتِ الصَّالِحَاتِ They remain. They last. And they last for an eternity. Never ending. So use your time, use your life wisely. Don't waste it just staring at Facebook or staring at your phone and just wiping it on and off. No. Use your time in a better way. This chance, these few moments that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us, use them in a better way. You know this Friday, somebody we know, they're close friends. Their wife passed away and she had her janazah on Friday. You know what that means? A day before Ramadan. A day before Ramadan. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us the ability to fast on the first day, how much grateful we should be to Him. How much grateful. Because when a person fasts while he is in the way of Allah, and all of you are in the way of Allah by the way, right now. When a person fasts while he is in the way of Allah, then his face is distanced from hellfire. 70,000 years. He is far removed from hellfire. We should be thanking Allah for this opportunity to fast today. But unfortunately, what do we hear from people? 
I'm scared. How am I going to survive? I'm not ready for this. Assalamualaikum. You know how you said about not wasting time in this precious month. Last night in Tarawi, it made me sad to see that when we had that 15 minute when the person was speaking, the imam, and I saw most of the girls had cell phones and they were texting. And you know, they didn't stop till he said Allahu Akbar and you know, that's when they put their phone away. And otherwise too, I think if I was doing that, even in my salah, my thoughts would be with what's the next message coming or what's... I just ask all you young girls, for this month, put away that phone. It's not going to benefit you in any way. If we can survive without food and water, we can also survive without other things which are not a basic need. Right? Because this is a month of really training ourselves, making the most of it, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. About 13 years ago, I came to Islam. And at first, I felt like it was inappropriate to say this, but since we're talking about dreams, I'd like to say that um, when I converted to Islam and I became pregnant with my firstborn son, I was pregnant at the time and I once had a dream and our curtain was, uh, what do you call like those were, they were not curtains, they were blinds. And, Wallah, I dreamt that, you know, I was facing the curtain and up top of the curtain there was a banner. And on the side of the banner there were two ladies, mashallah. They were beautiful ladies, mashallah. And they were wearing black habayas and white hijabs. And they were looking at me. One had a kind of like an oval face and one had a rounder face. One was a little bit older and one was much younger. And they were looking at me on the left-hand side of the banner. At the time, I could not read Arabic, and I saw like, you know, a leaf, lamb, and I did not know what it meant. And when I woke up, I told my husband, I said, I had a dream, I see these women, two, you know, ladies, they're looking at me, and mashallah, they look like Arab, Pakistani, and they wear black habayas and white hijabs. And he asked, he did not really tell me, he said, maybe they're angels. So anyways, I joined, at the time I was living at Regent Park, and I joined a health center. And at the health center, I was going to prenatal classes, and there was a lady there. She was much pregnant than I was. She was seven months pregnant at the time, and she was wearing chocolate brown habaya with a chocolate brown niqab. And she was very nice to me. She was from Pakistan. And she'd be very sweet. She'd pull the chair out, and she didn't know who I was. And one day when I started talking to her, at the time I was, you know, I was dressing a little bit inappropriate. I had, a, I was wearing overalls, a yellow overalls with a white hijab. And I, I was four months pregnant at the time. And she asked me, you know, she says, well, I teach. Uh, one day I asked her, I said, where do you live? And she says, well, I live around here. And she says, I teach Quran. And I, and I told her, well, I've converted to Islam. And she says, well, come to my house and I'll teach you Quran. And I says, and she says, I teach little kids. I said, I'm, you know, I'm much older, as you see. I'm kind of embarrassed to, to learn Quran amongst little kids. And she says, that's okay. Come to my house. And so I went to her house, and she taught me, mashallah, how to say, uh, to learn the alphabet, mm-hmm. and also how to say, kula kula wahad, kula falak. And also she taught me how to say, ayatul kursi. Alhamdulillah. And 
later. I ended up moving from there and I lost contact from her. And 13 years later now, I was um, at, you know, here at Lakeshore, I moved to Lakeshore. And I had I was going through something hard, and I went I went to my neighbor, and my neighbor is coming here to Al Huda. She says, "Come to Al Huda with me," and I said, "Oh no, no, no!" She says, "No, you have to come, come with me." And I came, and when I came in, um, I I sat in here. The first week, I didn't really notice where, you know, I didn't really think anything of it. But the second week, when you turn on the um, Recitation? The recitation. For some reason, tears just started streaming down my face for, without any control. And I started wondering, what's going on? Why is this? And the second, you know, the, the second day, during the second week, um, I looked and I said, wait a minute here. And I looked up and I see the banner. And I looked to my left and I see a banner. I looked to my right and I see the banner. And then I see Sister Damia. And I looked closer, and I said, "Mashallah, Allah Akbar." I said, "This, my dream has come true." May Allah Subhanahu wa Taala bless you with the knowledge of the Quran and the understanding of the Deen, and really give you what you came here to get, Inshallah, and all of us also. سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته